Hi, this is Alexa Holman, and welcome to episode two of Spirit and Sound. In this episode, I will be talking about churches in the historically black neighborhood of the West Grove. This episode is very special to me. Thanks to Gordon Fales, I was introduced to the most inspirational and beautiful people I've ever met. My visits to the West Grove took me further than I ever expected, and I'm so excited to share this journey with you. I've known parts of the West Grove's history. My high school taught us about the historically black community, and we took a field trip to the Charlotte Jane Memorial Cemetery, where many Bahamian settlers are buried above ground in coffins. We learned of the wall that separated white and black neighborhoods and of the Bahamian shotgun houses, one-room rectangular houses with rooms placed back to back. When I was younger, I remember more shotgun houses and less empty lots. The West Grove is filled with roadside plaques that describe the historical significance of certain buildings and monuments. You don't see history preserved like that in Miami. The shotgun houses withstood the hurricanes in the Bahamas and again in Florida. But newer development projects and increased housing prices threaten this historical neighborhood. The West Grove churches are the head of the community. There are at least 12 churches in this approximately seven block neighborhood. The heads of these churches are civic leaders in the community and it's hard to separate the church from its outreach. Community meant something different to the members of the historically black churches than to the members of Plymouth or St. Hugh. Every interview led back to the history of the West Grove, to the history of hardship and perseverance. Music meant something different too. Music was about sharing that common history between churchgoers. Music was about saving the past while enriching the future. I'm going to outline the order of this episode. I visited Macedonia Missionary Baptist Church, Greater St. Paul African Methodist Church, and St. Matthew's Community Baptist Church. I interviewed people from each of these churches and attended at least one service. It kills me to have all these churches in one episode, but I had to make some sacrifices. Every single one of these churches was so different, from the service style to the music to the beliefs themselves. I won't give too much of an introduction because I don't want this episode to be unbearably long. If I could, this episode would be hours long. I wouldn't edit out any of the interviews or maybe just play whole sections of the songs and services. Episode one was different because I've been to St. Hugh countless times. All the people and churches I will introduce were just as new to me as they are to you. It's crazy to think that if I hadn't done this project, I wouldn't have met these people, had these experiences, and learned so much. Anyways, enough with the introduction. Let's get to the meat of this episode. The first church I visited in the West Grove was the Macedonia Missionary Baptist Church. This church has always been on my radar because of its historical significance. Macedonia is the brother church of Plymouth Congregational. The church is 127 years old, started by 56 black dissenters who left the integrated Plymouth Church. They built their own church next to the Charlotte Jane Memorial Cemetery on Douglas Road. This was the first black church in South Florida. It is said that the creation of this church paved the way for the dozen other churches that started in the area. The church is a two-story white building with rectangular red and yellow stained glass windows and red doors and railings. The bottom floor houses the kitchen and several office spaces for church leaders. The top floor is where services are conducted, in a smallish room that seems to always be lit up with golden light. 
The pews are red, and behind the pastor's pulpit in the choir's pews is a tub of water with glass sides that is used for baptisms. The right side of the church has drums, a piano, a keyboard, and occasionally a saxophone. Already, when I first walked in, I was surprised at how small the room felt, but not necessarily in a bad way. I was used to sloped ceilings that made sound echo and get lost in the space, but here you felt the rhythm of the sound in your heart. Before I get any further, however, I need to introduce someone. Mr. Gordon Fales is a friend of my grandmother's and a very important community member. He's the kind of person who knows everyone, who can't leave their house without seeing someone they recognize, and everyone who knows Gordon knows how lucky it is that they do. Mr. Fales is quite possibly the reason this project exists. He's a member at Plymouth Congregational, and a while back he decided to reignite the connection between Plymouth and Macedonia. He started an after-school reading program with Macedonia that is still ongoing. Now, he's actively involved with his brother church, and is good friends with all the important people that I need to talk to. He took me to my very first service at Macedonia, and it was a transformative experience to say the least. We walked into the church, already late to the service. I could hear the music coming from upstairs, from in the kitchen. We took a quick elevator ride to the top floor, and there the sound was overpowering. St. Hugh has one instrument, the piano. Macedonia has at least three playing at the same time, along with a choir. Gordon and I sat in a pew towards the back. We were the only white people in the church. Macedonia's services were different. Music for the first hour, and then the pastor preaches for the next two. The music portion ended and the pastor went up to preach. I must have told the story of this a million times to my friends and family, but I was crying by the time he finished. At one point, he told us to turn to our neighbor and tell him, you have a purpose. The woman in the pew in front of me turned around, also crying, held my hand and told me, you have a purpose. God has plans for you. Gordon didn't seem phased, but he occasionally stood up to clap when he liked what the pastor was saying. People were shouting and crying, and it was truly beautiful. The size of the room felt like an advantage. It felt like everyone inside the church knew each other. I've been to three Macedonia services in total, and it never gets old. The second service, I got to see a baptism that, guess what, left me in tears. The music has something to do with that. The sound, like I said, is overwhelming, but in the best possible way. You feel the drums pounding in your chest, the voice of the singer ringing in your head, and the keyboard and the guitar sending chills down your arms. Sometimes I'd just close my eyes and feel the music bouncing around the walls and inside my body. Most importantly, I'd sing or clap or dance along. The first person I interviewed was Reverend Lance Bailey, the pastor. Gordon made the introduction, and I'm so grateful he did. Pastor Bailey is exactly who I had in mind when I started this project, and you'll see why. I'm a native of Miami. I was called to this church, this historic church. But I've always been in music. I've always been in church. I'm born and raised in church, so I've traveled all over the United States, uh, played for various artists, various church conventions. Music is my life. Uh, next to preaching, born and raised in music. You can't outdo me because I could play and sing. <laughs> Reverend Bailey is exactly who I dreamed of meeting. Someone born and raised in both music and in the church. People like him understand the connection better than anyone else. Every day, the pastor is both preaching, singing, and playing the word. He talked about his connection with music first, which I feel a lot of people can relate to. 
I did. To surround your life around music is a great job because it's relaxing. You know, it takes your mind off of maybe things that's going on in the world, you know, and it eases people's uh, minds at times. It, it's therapy for other Being in the church, music is very needed. That's the first connection Pastor Bailey made. Music is a uniquely human form of expression, and it usually evokes emotion in the listener. It can ease people's minds, and it can be entertaining or pleasant to listen to. That's why it has a role in the church. You take music out of religion, and then you just have a bunch of, of people talking. After so many words of being taught, we lose it. The compassion, we lose, <laughs> we get anxiety. But the music, you add music to it, then it, it, it makes people engage. If it's music that you want to hear. You know, music make you want to pat your feet, clap your hands. No matter what type of music it is, if it's your type of music, then you're going to get involved in it, you know? And, and of course, if it has a beat to it, you definitely going to, you know, join right on in. Even if you don't know the words, you, you'll clap, you'll rock, just because it sounds good. Macedonia sure did things right, because that's exactly what Gordon and I experienced. Two outsiders listening to brand new songs, yet still singing, clapping, dancing, getting involved. Boredom isn't an option at Macedonia because you can't help but be on your feet, listening to the sounds and the preacher. The whole service is exciting. The whole purpose of ministry is to affect people, and you would need that music to go along with the words that you're saying, to convey the message. Of course, the music transmits a message too. Music as a form of spiritual communication goes back to the Bible. David was a musician, you know, he played the harp. When the kings would uh, get frustrated or didn't know what decision to make, they would call David and David would play music to help them make the right decision. So it's nothing new, you know, <laughs> it is what it is. You know, I don't think you could play a harp uh, in the, in the, in the, I would say the African-American church. It would be, it would be loud enough. <laughs> So it's, it's still relevant to today's time, and it'll be relevant when, when our time is expired too. That's another important thing that is almost unique to the black church. A lot of the music sung is about African-American history and the injustices they faced. These songs are still relevant today, and they'll continue to be sung. You have to know your history, where music is concerned. Uh, music and religion together is needed. Two things may have not stopped during the pandemic, and that was singing and church. Music it brings life. Uh, religion brings life, and it gives you hope. For African Americans, the church was a safe haven, an escape from the brutality and the hardship of the outside world. The only time that they had to themselves was a Sunday. But when they would go to church on Sundays, 
uh, they would that was the only time they could wear their best clothes and and do what they do they would sing and have fun and then there were times where they would sing songs uh, even during their working hours that that maybe the other folk didn't understand what they were saying you know they would communicate like that just through song so again here we go Communi- uh, songs give us hope uh, it helps us communicate with one another because we understand who we are if we didn't have anything we knew we had church we baptized in the name of the Father the name of the Son the name Services were a time to rejoice and be entertained. The community was strengthened through this unity and joint experience. Today, the service is still a celebration. Churchgoers dress in their best clothes, sing, dance, yell, cry, and hold hands for two hours, and then sit down on the bottom floor to eat with each other. The songs reflect the importance of joy and community in the black church. The songs are thrilling and inspiring, but also easy to pick up and sing along to. They're also historically important. They've either been written in the past by slaves or written about African-American history. quickly move on to my next interview, possibly my favorite, with Carolyn Donaldson. Miss Donaldson practically runs Macedonia by herself and is a good friend of Gordon's. I'm going to try and keep as much of her interview as possible, but we spoke for what felt like hours. Firstly, um, can you just quickly give a life summary? How did you get to this position right here? Um, <laughs> life isn't brief for me. Let's yeah. think. 
I actually grew up uh, in the Grove and lived in the house right across the street. That house was probably built in 1948, 1949. So I grew up with very humble beginnings in the projects. And then from there left, got my education, had my family, um, traveled the world. And then in 1992, right after Hurricane Andrew, I came back to this church. So full circle. Full circle, yeah. Full circle. Although you wouldn't think that I'm retired because I serve on a lot of boards and I do a lot of volunteer stuff, volunteer work. On paper, she is the CFO of Macedonia, but she really is a powerhouse. She sings in the choir, handles the operations, vendors, fundraising, grant writing. Does religious music play a role in your personal faith? Very important. The older people in the church um, identify closer to the struggle and the migration of the black transition. The contemporary songs takes those versions and make them more lively. Because the thing that you have to understand about music, uh, and really all kinds of music, jazz tells a story, um, country tells a story. Uh, all of our music is really telling a piece of a story. I appreciation for our faith, another form of expressing your appreciation for having gone through things in your life, but yet you've overcome them. And the reason you've overcome them is through your faith and prayer. And by God's grace, we have done all these things. So some people come to church and they are, only the sermon is important to them and the message from the sermon. That's not my case. I start with my message being from the music and I'm very moved by the musical aspect of the service. And I really liked what you said that like religious music is telling a story. Like, mm -hmm. do you think that's the purpose of religious music is to tell this? Like, oh, absolutely, because music has been so important in everything we, we've done. If you go back to the slaves, their messaging was through music, because remember, a lot of them were from different tribes. So while they may not have understood their tribal language, through song and drums and beats, they were able to communicate. And then when you made the migration here, the slaves were not allowed to communicate, but the masters allowed them to sing. So they were always able to communicate via song. You know, so even when you went through all the segregation and all of the Jim Crow and all of the, every, every change and transition in our lives, music was very, very important. So if you go back in time, there was always someone leading with a message that tied into, uh, that tied into music. I just literally get a joy from, from the music. this church, um, while we worshiped with Plymouth pre-segregation, it wasn't just segregation that separated the two churches. We actually 
could not garner an appreciation for that style of worship. Because we believe the Bible says, make a joyful noise unto the Lord. And a joyful noise is not quiet. <laughs> so, <laughs> and, and also you gotta remember coming from an appreciation for drums and being in a setting where, you know what I mean? So it just was something that did not totally register with us. So, um, and it wasn't, I, I don't think the separation was a separation of hostility, just an acknowledgement that we wanted to worship different. You know, we wanted the beat of the drum. We wanted to, because remember, the beat of the drum was communications. Mm -hmm. um, what's your favorite Christian song to sing or to listen to? I Shall Wear a Crown. They sang I Shall Wear a Crown at George Floyd's funeral two summers ago. I don't know if this is the same version Carolyn is referring to, but it's truly beautiful. I shall wear a See, and that's the message. Religion and music makes up the holistic um, experience to me. You know, it kind of brings together the whole package, you know, for the religious experience. Thank you, thank you, thank you. All right, you're so welcome. Next, I interviewed the Macedonian music director, who coordinated the music for every service and also taught the children's choir, which is what you're listening to right now. Well, <laughs> I'm gonna take you back a little bit. I was born and raised in church, very passionate, yes. It's a, it's a good thing, especially uh, it, it really helps too when you're going through some things and trials in your life. Uh, and, it, and it put a perspective of where you're at and it, and it just pretty much um, helps you. I mean, gospel music for everyone. I don't care what color you are, what race you are. God loves everybody. That's it, <laughs> you know, and it's what it is. We're all one. So I've been doing this since maybe when I was six, seven years old. Uh, I developed into a minister of music when I was around 16. 
pretty much everyone is really involved, and in, in especially if the songs are known and they know the song, they'll sing right along and, and they'll just they'll be jamming. <laughs> you know. But, well, since I've been here, I try to bring inspirational type songs that would uplift someone because somebody out there is going through something. Somebody, there's people out there ready to commit suicide. There's people out there ready to give up. You know what I'm saying? And I let them know through music that there's hope. You know what I mean? There's hope there. We serve God is, is alive. You know what I mean? So it, there is, there is, 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 you know, there's hope. <laughs> there's, there's love. There's love here. You know, there's, there's, there's you know. So basically, um, that's what that is from that perspective. If I answered that, I'm not sure. <laughs> oh, okay. I love gospel music, I'll say that. I love the, what I do. And it's a God-given gift, and I don't take it for granted. And I do it, and I love to, I love to see people leave um, better than when they came in. That's all the content I have for Macedonia. I can't wait to go back. I always leave feeling excited and inspired, and now I know why. Everyone I spoke to was so wise and experienced with music. They all had a way to stay connected to both their faith and music. That is so important. I'm going to quickly change gears and move on to the next church on our agenda. Just one block down is Greater St. Paul African Methodist Episcopal Church. Greater St. Paul is painted purple and white, and is much bigger than Macedonia. The inside opens up to the most beautiful interior, hanging golden lanterns, glass windows, and purple and yellow stained glass. There's a choir, a keyboard, a guitar, and drums. The music at Greater St. Paul is incredible because it's like a full-scale production. We sat across the church from the band, but right next to the choir, and they were stunning. Less people were screaming back to the pastor, but we all stood up and clapped to the rhythm. Music was definitely important to Greater St. Paul. The pastor, Nathaniel Robinson, sang parts of his sermon, which now doesn't come as a shock to me, but still did then. Will you all please sing? We know this song, everybody knows it. Let's sing it together. Let me give you the words. Jesus went to Let's do that again. Is, what, is this the Sopranos? Robinson is a very active member of the community and an extremely busy person, so I didn't get an interview with him. However, I did get an interview with Reverend Jones from Greater St. Paul, who was leading the choir during the service I attended. Okay, so first, can you give um, a little blurb about yourself? I'm Reverend Vernon Jones, uh, moved here from Atlanta, uh, educational background, bachelor's in music, master's in divinity, master's in music, so I've, I've been in music all my life. Music speaks what I cannot formally speak. Sometimes I'm not able to get out the words and a song or a, a, or a particular 
phrase of music, it just pricks the consciousness of my soul. I eat, live, and breathe music. Sometimes when I just can't do it, you know, when I'm at my wit's end, there's music. When I'm happy, it's music. It's always some form of music that keeps me going at all times. Music will touch different places. And depending upon where you are at that given point in time in life, it will have more of a meaning. Mm -hmm. Music is the sung word. Preaching is the spoken okay. word. And you put those two together to, to make a total package. Music gets them there. The word keeps them there. When asked about my project, I said that Greater St. Paul had my favorite music. The quality of the music production is just next level. It's something about the glass windows and the lanterns and the skill of all the musicians that makes me feel like I should be paying to watch. Reverend Jones said that music keeps him going, through hardship or victories. Greater St. Paul's music feels uplifting and is such a joy to listen to. It's easy to sing and clap along, but mostly I just sat in awe. I listened to the lyrics, especially when the pastor would change to improvise songs. Music conveys a message more easily than spoken language because I think it appeals to our emotions. The next and final church on the agenda is St. Matthew's Community Missionary Baptist Church. St. Matthew's is a smaller church, a little bit farther than all the others. Everything is blue. The cushions on the pews, the carpet, the ceiling, even the stained glass windows are blue. Like Macedonia, there's a glass-paned bath behind the pulpit for baptisms, and the band is on the right side of the pews. At St. Matthew's, it was all about community. I mean, it's right in the name. There is a segment titled Invitation to Discipleship, where a woman walks up to the altar and professes that she wanted to turn away from a life of sin and join the church. We all joined in with the reverend to pray for her, and she was sobbing by the end. Music was a huge part of the service too, of course. The service started with a congregation repeating this line. Let us come into his presence with singing and into his courts with praise.
Reverend Willie Ford Jr. also sang his message and prayer while people clapped and cheered and shouted for him. That's all the interviews I have from the West Grove churches. I wish I could try and sum up all the answers I heard, but that would double the length of this podcast. I hope you got to experience the same way I did, the diversity, love, and focus on community that I found at each of the churches. I've made some pretty unforgettable memories sitting in pews over the past few months. I've met some of the nicest, wisest, most musically and spiritually talented people. I truly thank Gordon for introducing me to this community that I live next door to, but never get to see. This was episode two of Spirit and Sound. Thank you to everyone I interviewed for your kindness, patience, and incredible answers. Thank you to Gordon, my savior, and the reason this project exists. And of course, to Dr. King and Dr. Scholl for being the actual reason this project exists. See you later, and thank you again, Alexa.